we have a question. Do you know the difference between seed and bread? It's like, duh. Yes, I seed the little little hard things you can roll around in your palm and bread is usually we hope softer than that and you can bite off a piece keep that question in mind the difference between seed and bread uh, Randy Alcorn is the the author of a book called the treasure principle and we have used some of his ideas in this series the, the scripture is from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your, heart, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The treasure principle is this. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. There's so many jokes about wanting to take uh, wealth to heaven because people go to a lot of um, trouble to, to gather money together, sometimes even to the extent that they will be dishonest, and they really hate to leave it. But you know my favorite one because I've told it so many times, and the punchline is he left it all that's the guy that nobody knew exactly how much he had but they all knew he was wealthy how much did he leave all and uh, my next favorite one you've heard several times but I just can't resist so humor me rich guy wanted to take money I mean he had tons of money and so he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and finally the Lord said okay you can bring one suitcase with you when you come so he he converted it to pure gold the finest he could get and took it with him and the angels had heard about this deal and no one else ever got to bring anything and they were really excited to see about the wealth that he had brought and when he opened his suitcase to show them they just got really quiet and they said you brought pavement <laughs> thank you thank you I appreciate that some of you even have heard that before and you laugh, but I, I thank you. You brought pavement? Okay, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. You can send those suitcases over there ahead of time. The treasure principle key, first one is, God owns everything. I am his manager. I'm his money manager. Now that is the basic, we know that, we believe that, we say we do, and we act altogether otherwise so much of the time. That's called stewardship. God owns it, I'm managing it for him. This little part he puts in my hand. Number two, my heart always goes where I put my money. Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be there you can always uh, I can tell you where your heart is if I can if I can have a list of your expenditures for the last couple of months number three is heaven not earth is my home 
heaven, not earth, is my home. Now, most of us live in a place that has central heat and air. And when the mattress finally wears out, we get a new bed. And when the clothes wear out, we get new clothes. That's just kind of the way it is in middle-class America. And it is really easy to start feathering this nest and trying to make this heaven. It's not, don't do it. Number four is giving is the only antidote for materialism. We become materialists just like that. Some of you who have been here for a long time remember a couple of generations ago or whenever it was, I was building a, a second set of toilet articles because I had to travel overnight so much of the time and I just I had these just, you know, regular big old bottles of whatever or the hair dryer. So I, I was looking for small stuff that would fit into two of these little, little uh, whatever they're called, cases and toilet kits. I don't need it when I go to the toilet, but it's a toilet kit, okay? And um, about that time, American Express sent me this beautifully colored slick paper picture with this little tiny hair dryer tiny little hair dryer now understand this was probably 25 years ago the thing was 125 bucks back then and I would have gotten it in a heartbeat if it would cost what a hair dryer cost and I just looked at that and wanted it and coveted and just said, no, I'm not going to do it. And I looked at it and coveted and, and it, it, what they do to us with this beautiful color, slick paper stuff. And of course, now it's all, it's all digitized and you get it every which way, but it's the same deal. It's like that shiny sheet metal that comes out every summer or fall with the next models. Oh my goodness. They do beautiful work in those paint shops. I don't know whether the car's worth anything, but man, they know how to finish it out. That's right. And I can just become a materialist just like that. Well, there is a way to cure me. And that is to keep my giving going in such a way that I really need to wait till the thing is a year or two old before I get one of those shiny ones. And it just really works. Now, if you can afford to get new cars, when you get it, come by and take me for a ride, and I'll just enjoy it with you because I am really good with buying used cars. The only downside of that that I see is that I can't always choose the color I want, but I probably can survive that. Number five key to this treasure uh, principle is God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. And I, I, want to, I want to take off on that for just a moment. Last week we talked about the tithe. And this is the foundation of giving to God. Uh, this, people who don't want to be taught that say, oh, that was just under the law. Uh, no, 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 no. It was long before the law. It's old stuff, man. Um, Abraham gave a tenth of the plunder of war 
to the priest of the Most High God, Melchizedek. And when Jacob was had an appearance, uh, supernatural appearance of angels or God or wh- whatever he saw, his response was, this is the house of God, Bethel. This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And I'm going to give, if you take care of me, I'm going to give you 10% of my stuff. That was his response. Long before the law. Then under the law, then Jesus brought it over into the New Testament and validated not only tithe in the big stuff, but if you raise a garden... Tithe, you know where it's supposed to go. Okay? Especially if it's tomatoes. And, G- and Jesus taught that. He says, you know, it's your, your garden herbs like dill and cumin. Um, he, he knew what he was talking about. So, when, when we... Decide to give to God, and we decide that it's safe. We start tithing, and when you start tithing, you are in for some really interesting experiences in God's kingdom because He will bless you. It will come back to you. You will reap what you sow, even though that the whole amount of money is God's, and He's only asking for this 10% off the top. He just loves to bless, and he just blesses and blesses, and it's wonderful. Um, tithes should go in the local church. The, the, uh, in the prophet, it says, bring uh, all the tithe into the storehouse, and this was for the support of the clergy of that day. And if everybody tithes, there's plenty more than needed for the support of clergy, and you can do all kinds of ministry and uh, all kinds of uh, charitable causes and so forth. So that's the, that's the foundation. Now, let me tell you how to manage this giving. When you, let's, let's say the economy is better and we're still getting raises, okay? Just hypothetically, let's say that. Okay, now, when you get a raise, of course, your, your income will go up a little bit, so your tithe will rise that much, whatever the 10% of that is. But before you take the, the 90% of the raise and chunk it into the family budget, take another 10, 15, 20% of it and put it on your missions, put it on your building pledge, wherever you put it, to increase that so that your, your, your tithe always goes up, and then you, you also give some offering and you still get a raise you never thought of that well do it we've done that for a hundred years and it gets you into a position where you are in the in the habit of giving a significant chunk of money and it doesn't feel like you have sacrificed maybe that new car went away when we started doing that I don't know but I'm telling you it's worth it because I love to be in the process of giving more to the Lord. More to the Lord. He may be worth it. Okay. The foundation of the treasure principle and of all giving is faith. Tithing is a faith issue. Offerings are a faith issue. If God has lied to you and will not do what he said in Scripture, don't give. 
It's way too much money. Now, you, you know that's a trick question. You, you saw that going in. You said, yeah, you're just going to jerk us again. I don't mind. <laughs> I don't even mind you knowing. Because, dear one, I believe God's word is true. And I believe that if I can encourage you, inspire, lead you, drag you along into an act of faith where you start giving to God, you will reap what you sow. You cannot help it. It will happen. God is a farmer. Some of you have been around a farm. You know that you don't go out and, and stand by the fence of this field and it may be good soil and you say oh come on harvest come on buds come on sprigs come on you don't do that i hope you get that implement on behind the tractor and you pour a bunch of seeds into these containers if it's a row crop and if it's not a row crop, you fill up this big bin that has all these little places where this seed is going to go. And you're just going to bury that seed. It's just gone. And you, it, you scattered it so thoroughly that you'd never be able to gather it again. <clears throat> and if you could, if it's rained on it once, it's probably rotten, or you would think. But you know that that's not a... That's not an exercise in futility. You know that's the way it works. And God, when we sinned against Him as a race, humankind sinned, He didn't say, Oh no, what am I going to do? I want my creation. I want fellowship. I want to be able to hang out with those people. What am I going to do? He didn't do that. He loved the world so much that he gave he planted he just threw it away he planted it in the ground so loved the world that he gave his one and only son and jesus absolutely uses that figure of sowing and reaping in john the 12th chapter where he says the grain of wheat has to fall into the ground and die and then there will come forth that harvest and that's what the father was doing. He's a farmer. If you look down on farmers, watch it. You're not that cool. He sowed so that he could reap you. He loves you. He intended to get you. It is not a mistake that you find yourself in this room today in a place where people talk about loving the Lord. They sing about it. They actually give money. You know, so you know they're serious. The reason that it is like that is because he sowed the seed. And it was extremely, extremely expensive. But he looked ahead and saw you and said, it's worth it. It's worth it. Or to say it another way, let me tell you. I love, I love this picture. God loved his son the father <clears throat> loved the son so much 
that he was willing to give him in death so that he could get many more just like him. That's his plan for you. And he loves you too, but he loves his son so much that he wants you to be like him. And he has provided for that. If you're not much like Jesus, stick with the Lord. Try to be obedient when he calls you to make another step forward in living for him. Watch what he does. There is that glorious chapter. One of my all-time favorites in all of Scripture is the one that started the good work in you will complete it. And it's not a strain. You say, man, he's got a big job with me. No, that's my line. You get your own. But see, I'm not, I'm not impressed with my recalcitrance up beside the power of the Holy Spirit to make my head new, to make my heart new, to make my desires new, to make my willingness not to have to have a new shiny piece of sheet metal. Please don't think, I think you're wrong if you get new cars. Get them. Just let me enjoy them with you. But, see, he's able to do that. It doesn't strain the Holy Spirit. He who created the universe can do stuff in my heart. And I'm pretty, I used to be pretty impressed. As a matter of fact, I was so impressed with how evil I was, I didn't think I could be saved. Isn't that neurotic? Except that some of you have been right there. Unpardonable sin. I polled our congregation in Oklahoma when we pastored there. I was just coming to terms with all this guilt. And I was just, oh man, I was just trying to pull out of this. And I, I polled them. How many of you think, have ever felt like you or believed that you committed the unpardonable sin? 80%. So it's like, I shut up. I don't, know. I don't hurt. I mean, my pain, I hurt, but it's not anything unique. So, thank God that he is larger than our neurosis, than our stubborn refusal. That's recalcitrance. If you're, not, if you're not familiar with the R word, that means stubborn refusal to do the right thing. And you knew that about you. Now you know that you're recalcitrant. In 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, we go to the next level in offerings. Tithe is the foundation in our giving. It's 10%. If you're not giving 10%, don't call it a tithe. Say, I am learning to give to God, and I don't have the faith to tithe, so I'm going to give whatever percent. Just start there and go for it. I think if I could just help you, if I could just lay my hand on you and give you the gift of faith, and there is such a thing, that you could just go ahead and tithe and watch the miracles occur. But uh, if you're not there... Plan on getting there because God will grow you. But in 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, here is a, a picture of something other than tithe. He says, and now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy, their extreme poverty, welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, 
and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Now, this is a relief offering that he is, he is collecting for the people in Judea, uh, the church. Many of them were, were struggling in extreme poverty. Uh, a lot of this was brought on by when the church first started uh, they had all of these pilgrims in from all over the world, and many of them became believers, and they just stayed. Well, their, their travel money ran out, and so people started selling their property to uh, support, just to feed these folks. And what they were doing is um, they were eating their seed. <laughs> you, now, if the Lord tells you to sell a piece of property, convert it, to money and give it to the Lord, do it, he's safe. But this was kind of a survival thing, and when all of your stuff is gone, then you may not have any way to make a living, and so poverty just kind of descended on the whole bunch, and they then uh, began to be in need of these relief offerings. And so more than one relief offering went to the saints in Judea, and this is what Paul is talking about. Now, there is, a, there is a beautiful, beautiful passage in the first few verses of this that I'm going to visit in a moment. But I want you to, I want you to see how this works. In, in 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter, he's talking about the collection for God's people. He's talking about the relief offering. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So you, you find a place in the mattress where you can stick this stuff every week, and, and then when, when the apostle comes, it's going to gather this offering up and take it to the saints in Judea. We don't have to make a pull. Now, that's systematic giving. If you're a farmer... Uh, weekly is probably not a good way to do this. If you're a businessman and you pay yourself a, a weekly or a monthly thing, then when you do that after the tithe, take what you're going to give to God and put it aside. Uh, if it's missions, you just write the check to the church and we will, we will make sure it gets around the world. Uh, where, and if you want to know where we send our money, we'd be glad to give you a list of those uh, people and ministries that we support. We support City Union Mission. We support Church Planning in St. Louis. We support Teen Challenge, uh, Mid-America Teen Challenge. And then it goes around the world. And uh, that comes out of my gifts and yours. We just make this thing to the church. Now, there's also the need to set up something to help us do the work on the local scene. Some people have kind of resisted uh, far away missions because the local scene was not being evangelized well. Well, that can be a problem. So we have uh, sucked it up, if you will, and built an, an annex right over here that will help us do better work for children, uh, freed up room to do better work with teen students, and so forth. When we built this particular building a few years ago we be, we came to believe that we needed to do this this way uh, we had worshiped for 
over 20 years in a multipurpose room. It was a gym. It was probably the nicest gym in town, but it was a gym. It was, the acoustics were uh, as good as probably any public gathering room, uh, with possible exception of these fine arts places. Uh, and it, it was great. We used it. It worked so well. And then the Lord spoke to us to move out here. Well, I just assumed we'd build a multipurpose room because, you know, when you, cause you can use it for more things than one. And so we were talking about that, and several of you said to me, Pastor, couldn't we have a sanctuary? Well, I hadn't thought about it. So I started praying about it, the board started praying about it, and we decided that was probably what the Lord was saying. And it seemed like, you know, this is a big space. Uh, it's kind of expensive space. Um, and, and we could be doing other things with it through the week, and it's, it's empty a lot of the time. But the Lord was doing what he wanted to do. We didn't miss God when we built this room. And the Lord has helped us so far, and we are just being blessed. And we have a debt on this south wing, but uh, apparently we're not in any trouble. The Lord just has his hand on us. It's just, it's blessed and we need to understand that God works to help us do our work here and will help us do his work around the world. Um, so systematic giving, uh, if you get paid weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, annually, whatever, set aside the money when you get paid. And then when, when there is a need, and, and this, is, this would take the form of our agape fund that we have here in the in the church and uh, perhaps needs that we would uh, take up for other things. We will be doing a, an extreme church makeover in uh, the next two or three months <coughs> down at Nevada, Missouri. And um, we may take up an offering for that. And we'll need some money to buy materials and so forth. So anyway, that's what this is about. It's just plain old needs like people are poor and we need to help them eat. Okay, you got the picture. Now, there is a, let me, let me show you this back in, in 2 Corinthians 8. I want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Grace, and this is the grace. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy Severe trial, overflowing joy, extreme poverty, welled up in rich generos generosity. You get this back and forth. It's ping pong. It's like boom, boom, boom. Severe trial, overflowing joy, extreme poverty, rich generosity. How, he's talking about two different bunches, right? No. He's talking about the churches in Macedonia that were being really squeezed in persecution and were suffering in poverty and they begged for the opportunity to give that has been an interesting thing I had to learn as a young minister that there would be people who would give me gifts that had less than what I have and I remember when I was a single evangelist and I would look at somebody that was giving me an offering and that was pretty weird. And I had to just get with the Lord and say, Lord, I'm, 
I don't make these calls. You make this call. If they give to me uh, in the right spirit, they're going to reap. And I, I, I can't touch that. That's just the way it is. Do you get that? Everyone who's gone to the ministry, I think, faces that. Because as poor as we may think we are, there are people who probably have less and want to help us out. And that's the Macedonian churches. Extreme poverty or severe uh, trial, overflowing joy, extreme poverty, rich generosity. Now those people understood this. Next chapter in 2 Corinthians, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And here is the real promise to me. And God is able to make all grace. You know what grace is? If it's time to, to give in an offering, it is the grace to write the check. And if you don't believe God fully, it, you're just going to get writer's cramp writing those few words. But if you believe God, it's like, praise God for this opportunity. I have told you many times, our response at the newbie household, if we begin to feel a little tight, a little pinched, I, I might hear us talking like, we need to find a place to give some money because we're running out. Now, that is, if you think that's not counterintuitive, you don't understand. I'm broke, so I, I need to give more money. But you see, some people believe God's promises. I wish you did. Then you could have that freedom, too, so that when you get broke, the only thing to be afraid of is your own, whatever this is. When I was a kid, we called you sting, stingy gut, stingy gut. I hope that didn't get up into middle America. That's the southwest part of the U.S. But you know what it means. And that's, that's fearsome. That frightens me. But when there is that thing, uh, where should we give this offering? Because we're running out of money. Man, that is so free. We forget to worry. I do want you to remember this one thing. That when we receive an extra something, you, you, you get a gift from someone. You, you, one, of our, one of our wonderful members was telling me about uh, an, a shiny sheet metal object that came to him for about 35-40% of its worth. Which is a huge gift. I mean, this car, you spot it in the, in the parking lot. It is gorgeous. I don't know how old it is. It looks brand new, and that's the way he keeps his stuff. It's got leather. It's got heated leather. Now, when something comes to you like that, hallelujah. 
But let's say that that had come in the form of, of a gift. Or let's say that somebody walks up to you and hands you a watch that's better than yours. And they say these weird words, I just want to give this to you. I think the Lord spoke to me to give you this watch. Okay, what are you going to do? Well, I can't accept that watch. I, I, get over it. You're not that holy and you're not that rich. If you're that rich, make your check out, Bill. Anyway, you take that watch and you say, Lord, is this bread or seed? Am I supposed to enjoy this watch? Because God gives good gifts. Ask my buddy with the shiny sheet metal. Heated leather. God gives good gifts. Or is this something that you can sow into another life so that God can be uh, right when he continues to let you reap stuff that you don't even start to deserve? And let's don't talk about what we deserve, okay? Sorry I brought that up. So ask the Lord when something special comes to you. Is this bread or is this seed? And be obedient. And if, if something, some chunk of money comes to you, and sometimes old people die, and they had more than you thought. And if that happens to you, you don't have to wonder about the tithe. You just do the tithe. But now, Lord, we've got all this money. Is that supposed to be given away? All of it? Part of it? What, what, what? And he will guide you. He will guide you. And he may say, you sock that away. And it's bread in your household. Or he may say, all of it or part of it that's left after the tithe. He, may, he can say what he wants to. Because we are his. Now, I want, to, I want you to know that um, we are going to call on a couple people to come and minister here in a minute. And before, before they do, I want to reach out to you if you're not walking with the Lord and remind you about God the farmer who planted his son into this earth and ultimately into this earth. And when he rose from the dead, he secured forgiveness for your sins, new life in him right here and right now in this life, and eternal life after you leave this world. If you're not walking in that, I want to invite you, come in. God is safe. If half of what I have said God will do is true, and all of it is true, but if half of it's true, you need to get in on this. You need the life of God in you so that every time trouble comes, now this is not going to get you out of troubles except hell, uh, get you out of that trouble, and that's the ultimate. It, you'll still have troubles. Your, your loved ones may die, may get sick. All kinds of things come to us. But you have this deal where God, if God is for me, we just sing about it. If God is for me, who can be against me? Who is going to threaten me? And in a few moments, I'm going to invite people to come to the front and bring an offering. 
or a pledge card. And when I do, we're also going to have people, uh, our staff, uh, Nicole and Dennis and uh, Christian, and, well, no, Christian's going to be singing, but Jeremy and uh, uh, Nick and Brittany, and if Pastor John can stay uh, down here to pray for needs. And if you need to get right with God, you just need to walk up to one of these, these people and say, I am not walking with Jesus. I need to get with this program. And they'll take it from there and lead you straight into eternal life here and now. Praise God. Um, John, bring a mic. <laughs> 